And now we will have our reading, one of our friends from the avenue. Good morning, everyone. Our reading this morning, 1 John 2 to 28, and then 3 to verse, chapter 3 to verse 3. Subtitles, God's Children and Sin. And now their children continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him as his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that he did not know him. Their friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purifies themselves, just as he is pure. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. Now John will lead us in the sermon. Let's pray. Father, Father God, Draw near to us now as we consider your word together. May our hearts be open to what you have to say to us. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's wonderful to have you folk from the avenue with us. I have to admit that I was was baptised as an Anglican soon after my birth but the first church I ever went to that I can remember is a Methodist church and we, I went to a Methodist Sunday school for five years then we moved to the next village and in those days everything changes when you move it's only a mile away but we went to a different church <laughs> in, uh, in the, it was a Baptist church there so moved into Baptist circles and Pam and I have worshipped in many churches worldwide and sometimes I'm not sure what the denomination is because it doesn't really matter to me what really matters is do they love the Lord Jesus Christ is he their saviour and if they are they are my brothers and sisters and we're together in one family so Pam sighs when I come to this verse that we looked at today and I have to, and you, those of you here at Oak Ridge may know that this is one of my most favourite, favourite sections. But we look at it today. <laughs> Without apology, it's worth coming back to. It's worth coming back to it again and again and again because it is absolutely wonderful, absolutely amazing what the Apostle John says in these verses. Have you ever wondered what God was up to when he created the universe? When he created time and space? What was in his mind? 
Maybe you don't think like that. Pam doesn't think like that, you know. Thoughts about what was God thinking or doing or wondering why. But, but some of us, it comes together with those questions as, who am I? What am I doing here? What's the meaning of life? Some people have those experiences. Sometimes I get up and walk across the room and suddenly, who am I? What am I doing here? You know, am I the only one who has that sort of experience? Is it some sort of particular weirdness in me? I don't know. You can, you can make your own judgment on that one. But what was God doing when he created man and woman? We get an early clue in scripture in the first chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 reads, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And the next verse goes on. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And just to make quite clear, the verse goes on. Male and female, he created them. God made mankind, man, man and woman, male and female, in his own image. What's that got to do with fatherhood? Think about it. The culmination of God's creation was the creation of man, male and female, in his own image. It would seem to me that's why God created time and space, the earth and all that is in it, as a home for man. But if we stop there, it would seem, dare I say, that God failed. God created man in his own image, but man rebelled against God's purpose for him and fell into sin. Not at all in the image of the perfect and holy and righteous God. So if God's intention was to create man, male and female in his own image then he failed I don't believe that if indeed we believe that God failed (laughs) there's no point in being here today we might as well eat, drink and be merry for that is all that's left for us that is in fact the pattern of behaviour that we see in the world around us and where I say we are prone to slide perhaps perhaps it's just me I don't know but I do not believe that God did not know that man and woman would fail to live according to his purpose for them God knew that That indicates to me that God has not yet finished his act of creation. What God sets his mind to do, he does and completes. So when God said, let us make man in our image, 
and he created man in his image. He completes it. And if we don't see it yet complete, it can only be because God had not yet finished that act of creation. God continues. Sometimes we get the idea that God did all the creation in six days, and the seventh day he stopped and didn't do any more creation. That is just not true. God continues as creator in the world around us. Just look at the world around us. It's not the same every day, is it? Sometimes we refer to nature's creativity. Humbug. In reality, it's God who continues to create. And so with us. God created us with a purpose. And that purpose... Okay. Time for some feedback, congregation. (laughs) Why did God create us? What was his purpose? Yes. That's part of it, yes. But what did he say? Let us create man in his image. His purpose in creating us that we should be like him. That includes being able to relate to him as person to person. And it's only people, humans, who can relate as person to person. You can have a dog and you can have a sort of relationship. You, the dog might worship you, in a sense, but it's not the same as person to person relationship. The Apostle Paul summarised this when writing to his young friend Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, reads, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, all that came as the result of man's rebellion against God. To redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. That's God's purpose again. What Paul describes is a description of a people who are created in God's image. That is, people who say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. People who live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. People who wait for the appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to tell us that this is what salvation is all about. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us 
from all wickedness. Jesus gave himself to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Sometimes we may talk about this as the new creation. Sometimes we think you know, there was the original creation and now there is a new creation and we are part of this new creation. The problem with that, if you look at that and say there was a, a first creation and now we need a new creation, you are in fact saying God failed. That first creation didn't work out. So God has a second plan. No, it's all one plan. God is working out his purpose from the beginning. God is still making man, male and female, in his own image. So that brings us to our reading of today. As I said, one of my favourite sections in scripture. Sometimes Pam tells me, I've talked about these verses before. (laughs) But I don't apologise. These verses are amazing. In fact, they're so amazing, I would not dare to speak them if they were not written so clearly in the inspired word of God. Let me read them again. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 2 say, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Now the concept of God as Father appears in the Old Testament but not in strong focus. Maybe first of all in that verse that we read, God created mankind in his own image, which is something like fatherhood, isn't it? Some of you, not many of you, know my son. I've got one son and two daughters. And my son, I'm told, looks like me. (laughs) It happens, doesn't it? And that's... That's how it is. And that's what God wanted to do in creating mankind, male and female, that we should look like him. And it comes in the Old Testament, but not underlined until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he underlined it and, I don't know, highlighted it. Firstly, that God was his father, That really got up the nose of the religious leaders at the time. That he, Jesus, the son of Joseph the carpenter, claimed to be the son of God. And they really did not like that. But Jesus emphasised it again and again, that he was the son of God. But beyond that, but also that God is the father of all who trust in him. Jesus of course we've already said that this morning Jesus taught us when his disciples said teach us to pray Jesus taught them to pray and the prayer begins our father 
so familiar that we might forget the wonder of it. But in case we forget, the Apostle John underlines it for us. See what great love the Father has lavished, I love that word, lavished on us that we should be called children of God. It's not not just that Jesus is the Son of God, but that God calls us his children. How does that make you feel today? Father's Day. You might not feel physically that you want to get up and shout, but you know, does it make you feel like that inside? I hope so. But it is absolutely wonderful, amazing. God calls you his children and gives you the right to call him father. Now when we lived in Nigeria, I had a problem. One of the common names I was called when in Nigeria was daddy. It took me time to get used to that. I've got three children and they have the right to call me daddy. Two of them are married and their husband and wife. They also, by extension, call, have the right to call me daddy. That makes five who have the right to call me daddy. But these young men and women in Nigeria whom I hardly knew, what right had they to call me daddy? So I struggled with this because it's, to me it was so important. Now of course it's a sign of respect in Nigeria and many parts of Africa and eventually I got used to it. That's okay. But because of the saving work of Jesus, God gives us the right to call him Father. In fact, to even use that more familiar form, Abba, which could well be created, sorry, could well be translated Daddy. Paul in Galatians 4 verse 6 says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, Daddy. God gives us the right to call him Daddy, to call him Father. Yet there's more. (laughs) And it gets better and better. God is still completing his act of creation to make man in his own image. So 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Dear friends, now we are children of God. Not just called children of God, but now we are children of God. Three things here I want to underline. Now we are children of God. So on this Father's Day, we have the right to call him, God, Father. Secondly, God has not finished his work in us. 
what we will be has not yet been made known. There is more to come. You might not feel like a son of God or a daughter of God, a child of God this morning. He's not finished his work in you yet. He's still, that work of creation is going on. And thirdly, when Christ appears, we shall be like him. We shall be like Jesus. Jesus is uniquely the Son of God. But when he returns to this earth, we look forward to that, we shall be like him. Not just, sometimes we talk about being adopted into God's family. And that's good. Adoption is a wonderful institution. And an adopted child growing up in that family takes on the, the, the characteristics of the mother and father in that family. But they're never biologically integrated in that way. But by some wonderful creativity, I don't know, dare I say that we, we take on God's genes? I don't know. His, his I don't know. And John didn't know either. When he wrote this, he said, we, we, what we will be, we don't yet know quite how it will work out but it's wonderful when Christ appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is but we cannot stop at verse 2 verse 3 goes on all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure all who have this hope in him the Apostle John is writing to Christians, to those who have confessed their sin to God, to those who have recognised that there's nothing that they can do to find favour with God. He's writing to those who have recognised Jesus as their hope and have received salvation because of the death of Jesus on the cross, taking our sin upon himself. John says to all who have this hope he writes these wonderful words so let me ask you do you have this hope have you come to Jesus confessed your sin and received salvation through his death for you do you have this hope this is the only hope that's worth having but to all who have come to Jesus, we have this hope. We have confident expectation that God will complete his work of creation in us. And then when Jesus returns, we will be like him. In the meantime, we cry to God as Abba, Father, Daddy. Verse 3 continues, All who have this hope in him, purify themselves just as he is pure we are expected to live out that hope to live as children of God as we saw in Paul writing to Titus Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself for himself a people that are his very own that's good eager to do what is good I always find that a challenge. Eager to do what is good. 
And um, I'm not always. I'm not always eager to do what is good. Sometimes I do it reluctantly because I know it's got to be done, but I'm not always... Perhaps you are. Perhaps you're always eager to do what is good. And I praise God for that. But also praise God that he's not finished his work of creation in me. I might not yet be eager to do what is good all the time, in every way. But when he returns, that work of creation will be completed. And I will be eager to do what is good. Are you looking forward to that day? I hope so. I hope you're looking forward to that day when he appears and you're like him. And you can come to that almighty creator God. (laughs) Daddy. Wow. Are you ready for that day? The most important decision you can make in this life is to come to Jesus in repentance and ask for forgiveness. To all who come, he will give eternal life. That means life which begins now and moves to a new phase. It's not just life as we know it now going on forever and ever and ever. That sounds more like hell than it does heaven. But when he appears, we move into a new phase of life with him. When Christ appears and we shall be like him. As the Apostle says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Father, Abba, Daddy, Lord, we thank you and praise you for these words that are in your inspired word. And you've given us such hope, such expectations, such promise. We praise and we thank you. And I pray, Lord, for myself and my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that as we go into this week, we'll be filled with that joy and that expectation, that anticipation of your work of creation in us coming to completion when Jesus returns. Fill us with hope, fill us with joy. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.